Hi, welcome back to another hour with Crowder with me, your host Crowder. Like, share, subscribe, and comment. And if you're already a subscriber, go ahead and ding the bell so that you can get all of my latest podcasts every two day or whenever I post them. <laughs> because like I said, like I tell y'all every weekend or every week, I'm not always gonna have an episode. I I'm deep into trying to do some other stuff in my personal life and work and podcast and relationship and all of that. And yeah, you can't burn yourself out like that. So the more important things come first and all the things that I like to do that I don't get paid for come second <laughs> pretty much. But, um, I've been handing out it. I've been in Dallas. If you guys see me in Dallas next weekend or this weekend, then, you know, um, pull up on me. And get a sticker so that you can put it on your car. Um, the QR code to my show uh, will take you straight to my beacon. And then you can just choose from there where you want to watch me at. Yes, I. as you can see, I am back on camera. Y'all actually can see me um, if you go to the YouTube page and, you know, see me that way. Um, I did just get off of work. It is Memorial Day. I'm looking kind of hot, kind of um, shiny. And kind of tired, you know, I work overnight, so it is what it is. But, um, yeah, how's everybody doing today? That's my life rundown. <laughs> That's my life rundown right there. And, actually, I am going to um disclose a couple things. I'm just going to go ahead and tell y'all the truth. I have had this camera for about three months now, no lie. I have had this camera for three months. I don't know why I didn't want to set up the camera I think that I just got kind of camera shy like all of a sudden out of nowhere I think that I had got so used to being off camera and being able to you know look how I wanted to look and wear what I wanted to wear and everything that I just kind of got used to that and so I had the camera and I just had it just sitting there in the box I'm looking at the spot where the box was right now and for some reason, I just did not want to be on camera. I don't know, but I said, no, nah, I got to get back to being on camera. I got to get back to doing what I like to do. I got to get back to being I and I so that they don't think that I'm a fucking clone when I get back. Um, That's what my girl was talking about. She was like, they're going to think that you're a clone when you got when you get back. And I'm like, I hope not. So I was like, yeah, let me get my ass back on her. But, yeah, um, let's go ahead and get off into the topics of today I'm not going to be very long here um it's basically on what everybody's been talking about all week is the shooting that happened in Buffalo and the shooting that happened in Uvalde I think that's how you pronounce it Texas so let's go ahead and get into it let's just go ahead and do just a quick rundown of who the top shooter is and side note I know that y'all are like "Ooh, she come she'd be over there talking about old topics now this just happened a week ago. A guy went into a grocery store with an AR-15 or whatever he went in there with. I don't care. A gun. He could have went in there with a pocket knife and stabbed some motherfuckers. I don't care. I've This just happened a week ago. I don't think that we as consumers of news should just be like, here today, gone tomorrow. Like, we really need to analyze this story and still be talking about this because this is a problem. This isn't something that like just happened once in a couple of years. This has been going on for now. I feel like since I've actually been conscious of paying attention to the news and, and like stories that happen, like current events, I feel like this has happened every at least four times out the year this shit this type of shit happened. So I think that we do need to take a step back from just moving on to the next conversation or the next trending thing. No, let's see what was going on with this. I feel like we, because we get news way too fast now that we're on overload and we can't just do one story at a time. Look, that story that just came out yesterday is still going to be there 
tomorrow and the next day and the next day. I'm starting to get to the point where if I'm going to talk about a story, I'm going to get all the details first because I find a lot of the time I'm talking about stories and I'm getting my hot take out, but then I look like an asshole after like a couple of weeks because then this part of the story comes out and this part of the story comes out and this part of the story comes out and then I be all, you know, on my blackity black black shit and then I turn around and read the story and all those details come out and it finds out that they were actually guilty. And it's like, well, that was last week. I'm already didn't talk about, you know, five different other things since that shit came out. So I'm like, nah, I'm going to start consuming my news a lot more slower and, and being invested in the story until the the people like people don't have anything else to say about that story or I don't have anything else to look um, up with that story and just update y'all about it that way. Because this here today, gone tomorrow type of feel for the news. I'm not digging that. And that what that's what I did learn on my hiatus, my month long hiatus is that you don't have to, you don't have one that you don't have to do anything that you don't want to do. I didn't feel like going back on camera. I didn't come back on camera. Um, I didn't feel like doing my podcast for a month because I needed to get my head together. And that's exactly what I did. And that just because everybody else has moved on to the next thing, don't mean that you got to be moved on to the next thing. You march to the beat of your own drum. You surf to the own wave of, <laughs> I tr I tried to hit that hoe, but y'all see where I'm going with it. Just do your own thing and 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 go at your own pace. Because while everybody talking about something that didn't happen last week, you're getting all the details and all the right information to the story that you're talking about. So then you don't look like an idiot two weeks later when somebody when you try to debate somebody and they know more about the story than you do because you just wanted to give that little hot take. Yeah, I'm not doing those no more. So y'all might see me and I might be talking about a story that was last week, but guess what? I got a week's work of updates to walk y'all through the whole thing instead of just giving my hot takes out. Yeah, so I just want to, you know, side note that, that I'm not going to be that hot takey, type of person anymore. I got to give y'all right details if I'm going to be doing this. So just a little update on, not an update, but just a little, you know, summary on what I gathered from the Buffalo story. So I'm going to read this little, just this article right here. The gunman accused of killing 10 people and wounding three others Saturday afternoon at a Buffalo supermarket is a teenager who drove three and a half hours from his small town in the Southern tier to carry out the hate-fueled attack, authority said. Peyton S. Gidron. Oh, my bad, y'all. Hold up. Okay. My bad, you guys. People be people calling me. My bad. But um, Peyton S. Gidron. I ain't giving him no clout. I don't care how I pronounce his name. Y'all know the Buffalo shooter, the white supremacist Buffalo shooter, Peyton. Uh, Broome County was arranged before Buffalo City Court Judge Greg Hanna on a first-degree murder charge. Ooh, first-degree murder charge. Like, he needs, like, terrorist attack on his record. If found guilty, he faces a life sentence in prison without the possibility of parole. There we go. Gearden pled not guilty and was remanded, remanded without bail. He told the judge, I understand my charges. Defense attorney Brian Parker requested a forensic examination for Gidrum, whose next court appearance is set for 9.30 a.m. Thursday. Authorities say they are investigating the shooting as a racially motivated hate crime. Payton is white, and 11 of the 13 shooting victims are black, officials said. And... The official said 14 refers to a 14-word statement that is popular or white supremacist. Um, I would really like to know what that 14 is referred to. Um, the statement is we must... Oh, here it is right here. <laughs> the, the statement is we must secure the existence of our people and the future for white people. The official said the statement is attributed to David Lane, an activist with a white supremacist terror 
terror group known as The Order. Oof, okay, that's kind of creepy. I think I've seen that shit on Netflix, actually. But, yeah, so that's, like, the summary of what's going down with what happened in Buffalo. I wanted to jolt my memory about it a little. And I see a lot of people dissecting the story and getting the details of what they think could have happened. And most people have come to the conclusion that it's a psyops and that it's a distraction from what's really going on. But I would like to ask the question, when do we as conspiracy theorists ask ourselves, when is it not a psyop? You know, like, when do we actually ask ourselves that? Like, when is it not a psyop? What event is not a psyop? Because so far, I've been in a lot of conspiracy theories room and clubhouse. I watch a lot of conspiracy theory um, net, um, channels on YouTube, um, things of that sort. And as far as I'm concerned, everything that has come after um, the COVID-19 pandemic thing has been... Um, deemed as a psyop. So now if you're a conspiracy theory and I am a conspiracy theory, I would like to ask us as a collective, let's all come together and say, when ask ourselves, when is it not a psyop? What is the part of the story that we deem fake? And by what evidence do we deem it to be fake? I have found it very exhausting to keep up with all the events in the last two weeks. And I've come to the conclusion that they are confusing us and it's working <laughs> because we're all running around looking for updates and holes in the stories from an outlet that we know lies to us, but we still take pieces of the story to make it make sense. And then which the only thing that we're doing with that is taking a lie and piecing the lies together to try to get a truth out of it. Essentially, I guess I ask myself, what is the truth and how can I produce it if the web browser and the website and the publication and the journalists and the victims are all faked or compromised? How do I get the truth out of everything that I see and it's all fake? Now, me as a black cons black conspiracy theorists when I see stories like Buffalo and how he went in there and shot all those black people I have to ask myself do I really trust like my lying eyes or am I giving white supremacy and out by deeming it a psyop so by that statement that I just said the example that I'm going to give is, you know, in Buffalo, in the Buffalo shooting, like I seen him shoot the people. I heard the gunshots. But I allowed myself to make up these theories that basically give the act of a potential terrorist attack a pass because in my mind it was all fake anyways. But I also have to double back around and ask myself, but what if it was real? What if, like, even though I'm seeing all these things in here that's not natural human behavior, I see those and I say, well, that pretty much kind of looks fake. That kind of looks like a movie. But then, I, like I said, I have to double back around and ask myself, but what if it is fake? I mean, what if it is real? I mean, what if they're intentionally being sloppy with it so that they can desensitize us so that we could get used to young militant white supremacists killing us and the law not punishing them to the fullest extent. Now I, I've gathered this conclusion by understanding how propaganda works. Imagery, especially, you know, that that's a big one. That's one of the reasons why people from outside of America really think that black people are these ghetto fire, honey child girl, biscuits and cornbread. Oh, let me twerk, let me twerk type of people. And that's why when we, when black people, you know, even till this day when black people tell history, they usually start somewhere by slavery. 
I mean, by, yeah, by, by like where we was in slavery because all the movies that we ever see of black people before now or before we like actually got um, things popping for us, then the only thing you see is us on boats, us in Africa, you know, us being slaves, imagery. Imagery is key when you are trying to dehumanize a set of people. So I know that this is a very complex question that I'm asking myself and to the audience, but since we know that the news lie to us, that they do do psyops, that the CIA have basically admitted to doing psyops, since we know all that, are we saying that this is a real event and we too scared to do something about it and we're just deeming it a psyop so we don't got to do nothing about it? Or is this fake and they're just trying to dehumanize us so when it does start happening, then we'll be so desensitized to the act of it happening that we just let it, you know, we just let it do what it do. You know, we just let them do what they do because we're already desensitized to them conquering us as black people. Like, that's the question I'm trying to ask. I know that's very complex, but yeah, that's what I'm trying to ask. So again, to the audience that think this is a psyops, is it a psyops or are we giving terrorist acts a pass by saying it's a psyop? And once again, by what evidence? And if the evidence is a news outlet and articles, do you believe the same media that lied to us about everything already? Are we so scared to do something about white supremacists killing us that we have given them a pass by saying that, oh, that's, that's, that is fake anyways. That's fake anyways. Why are you worried about that? And in turn of us saying that, we don't have to do anything about it because it's a quote-unquote fake event. So, you know, th those are the things that I've been trying to pick in my brain about because it's really been bothering me to – figure out what is real and what is fake these days. I don't know what to believe anymore, honestly. Like, I think, honestly, I'm going through, like, a instoteric crisis, extoteric crisis. Like, I don't know who I am, what I am, what am I doing here, who am I, you know? And I feel like it's mainly because of social media, you know, um, social media and these psyops. You, they leave little crumbs behind to um, let you know that this is a fake event, but you're seeing it in your, you seeing it dead on that he actually shot these people. He actually did this. They actually did that. Like, where do we draw the line of what's real, what's fake, what's a psyop, what's not? Am I real? Am I fake? Am I in a simulation? Like, is this all simulated? Like, I don't know. This is just getting so crazy. This shit's getting so crazy, y'all. Like, but yeah, that's that was my little deep in the abyss of my mind questioning that I had for myself. But I if you're asking me, do I think that it's a psyops or not? I don't know. At this point, I just have no idea what to think anymore. If it is a psyops, um, Fuck the FBI and the CIA and the government. If it's not a psyops, rest in peace to the, those family members up there. And I hope that he gets his ass whooped by a whole bunch of Muslim brothers in there. And, um, yeah, <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. Um, but it was some things that I did want to go over because, like I said, we don't know if it's a psyop or not. The only thing that we know is what we've seen and the, the evidence that was brought before us. So it was some things in that manifesto that I want to try to piece together and break down because I didn't see the whole manifesto. It was just things that people posted but let's start with this. Right. What is the Great Replacement? In short, the Great Replacement is a conspiracy theory that states that non-white individuals are being brought into the United States and other Western countries to replace white voters to achieve a politic agenda. 
It is often toted by anti-immigrant groups, white supremacists and others, according to the National Immigration Forum. White supremacists argue that the influx of immigrants, people of color more specifically, will lead to the extension of the white race. Now, pause it right there. I, I want to talk about that right there, that, that second paragraph. He said something about immigration happening, and he's exactly right about the immigration and some other things, but I want to break that down. The immigration part. Um, he is right about the immigration. You have seen more immigration within the um, last five to seven years, and it's been happening. I think that they are starting to feel the pressure of not being the mi being the majority anymore. I think that they feel as though if they're not the majority, they will soon start to feel the wrath of what they've put minorities through for so long, it's, um, specifically people of color. I mean, not specifically people of color, but specifically black people. So, yeah, I think that they're scared of that. I think that a lot of white people are scared of that. They don't want to be replaced, not because they don't think that um, that because they think that their job is great. I think that they don't want to be replaced as in the replacement of status. When you're white and you're in a nice restaurant, they treat you like you're at home. When you're black and you're in a nice restaurant, they think you're going to steal. Do you want to replace? Do you want to be replaced by that? Because if you because the only reason why white people get that luxury here in America is because in America, they were the majority for a minute, and I even still think that shit is a lie. But you know, whatever. So yeah, he. I think that they're starting to feel that that heat a little bit of not being, you know, the majority anymore and let's not forget about what joe biden said here right here made significant progress on racial equity this country is doomed it is doomed not just because of african americans but because by 2040 this country is going to be minority white european you hear me minority white european and you guys are going to have to start working more with Hispanics who make up a larger portion of the population. Y'all do. So why do y'all think Joe said that? He said that because he knows that the time is almost up. That's why it was open arms for the Afghanistan and the Hispanics that came over here, but when it came to the Haitians, they had the whips um out and ready, you know. And that little piece, that first, that second paragraph he was talking about is he said especially the blacks, especially the blacks, because we have to understand that Mexican and Asian and any other race of people besides black people, um they will assimilate themselves into white culture because they can, because they are like a branch of white, you know, in some form of fashion. Because when you go over to those other countries, they have a bottom race and their bottom race happen to be this color, black, dark skin. All of the darker tone people of any ethnicity is always the bottom class. Don't you find that suspicious? Don't you find that funny that all of the darker tone people of every ethnicity is usually the bottom class, usually gets treated the worst, and usually is going through some form of like poverty or or lack of education, of lack of finances, lack of economic. Like it's always something with the darker skin race of, of an ethnicity. So, yeah, he said he said that. And, yeah, I'm just going to leave it there because that's a whole nother thing. I don't want to get deep into that. But let's go to the let's go to the second part. Let's go to the second part, y'all. Peyton Gidrum, the 18 year old white male accused of killing 10 people and one and wounding another in wounding another three in Buffalo allegedly said in his secreed that the decrease in white birth rate 
equates to a genocide. Boom. Let's stop it right there. Let's just stop it right there. Okay, so you heard what they said right there. He brought up birth rates and decline in genocide. He feared that white people will be extinct, and to a certain extent, he right. Let me go to this article that I had um brought up for y'all real quick. Last month, the Census Bureau released long-awaited 2020 population data. Data showed that for the first time, the nation's white population declined across the previous decade. Cue the fears of white replacement, stoked by Donald Trump and many of his followers who advanced a culture war that now stands at the core of our politics. I don't like that last um that last line, like, don't be blaming it on other people because this nigga ran up in here doing some crazy shit. Um, however, America's white population could be facing a different kind of fear, one that is demographic rather than culture. This is the specter of living in a slow-growing, fast-aging, and less productive nation where government support for older generations do not due to a shrinking tax base not only is the white population declining, but it's also getting older as the large baby boomer generation continues to enter its post-labor force ages. So there you have it right there. He's kind of right. So his his fear of the white race going away is pretty accurate. <laughs> and just to tie it all together with a little bitty bow, I'm going to read you a little bit of what Dr. Francis Quest... Chris Wilson, who was a psychiatrist who debated her theories um, about racism and white supremacy um, with a bunch of other scientists and psychiatrists as well. And most of the time she'd win these. But she had something very, very interesting to say. And you can find this in her book called The ISIS Papers. But I felt like with everything the gun with all the writing on it, what he was saying in his manifesto and, um, and, um, the fact that he killed majority black people. I found it very interesting that all of that stuff, plus what Dr. Francis quest, Chris Wilson said weeks before that, not weeks before that, but decades, decades before you know, this event even went down and it would explain a lot of um, why these white men be shooting down, um, be going up in these schools, shooting up all these kids and why these white police officers have um, this type of extra force when it comes to black men, you know, but here it is right here. So she said, and this is quote unquote, and this is from the ISIS papers, like I said, historically white males worldwide have suffered the deep sense of male inferiority and inadequacy because they represent a mutated genetically recessive minority population that can genetically annihilation, genetically, annihilate by all non-white people the gun is a symbol in the white supremacy system culture cannot be banned because it is a symbol symbolic phallus substitution for the white male the white male penis and testicles genetically cannot annihilate black and other non-white males but his gun can. Therefore, to ban the gun for the white male is to castrate him symbolically, to remove his defense mechanisms for the ever-present threat of white genetic annihilation. So, yeah, that's very interesting to me that she has that, that way of looking at how the white man thinks about guns and why he's always in fear for his life when it comes to a black man. Very interesting. And I would have to go further and say that. So with the shootings happening, plus the rest of the stuff that he was saying in his manifesto, he basically proved her right. He basically proved her right. So we're going to go ahead and go further into the article 
which the alleged supermarket shooter and other extremists claim the U.S. has to close its borders. The great replacement theory is sometimes seen in other ways, such as claim of voter replacement and immigration invading America. The National Immigration Forum said the first claim assumed that immigrants and non-white people will vote a certain way, ultimately drowning out the votes of white Americans. Aldolfius Belt Jr., professor of political science and African-American study at Windrow University, says white nationalist movement arise when people of color are seen as a threat in political and economical realm and economic realms. Belgium says white nationalists are worried that white will no longer be a majority of the generational population, but a polarity and see that as a threat to their own well-being and well-being of the nation. So that's that whole article right there. And I have one last breakdown and I want y'all to peep. See how, see how it said they only really mess with us when it comes to politics and economics. And we know that this is true because of people in the Congress that's been there forever and haven't done anything for us, (laughs) the NAACP. And when they bummed all those thriving black communities in the 1920s, Rosewood, Tulsa, Oklahoma, you name it. It was like 150 communities, wasn't just two. So that just proves that to be right, that they only mess with us politically by putting coons in spaces that we need real black people that have real black problems and care about real black people. And they mess with us um, economically. If we ain't spending money with them, then we're not spending money at all. And we're going to bomb your city. So we know that they only mess with us in those two capacities. And they do that to sabotage us. They only give us the illusion that we have a choice in the political system. And that's just not true. That's why I don't vote. And that's why I try to buy black anytime that I can. Because I know that the dollar and the power is the only thing that they respect. The only way that you get Money is by power, and the only way that you get power is by money. So I choose to spend both of those with black people and black people alone. That's the only thing that's going to take down these evil families that's at the very top of this political system. The second thing that I do want to point out that is that he admitted to being completely sane and knew exactly what he was doing, and not only was he sane, but he stated that he acted alone. Now, the statement that he acted alone is what stood out to me because I look back at the Young Thug conversation and, I mean, the Young Thug situation or whatever, and the I see that the feds had built up like a eight, a eight to ten year, like, case on him you know with recordings and social media posts and songs and all of this stuff and I can't help but wonder how is it that you have all this time to look at a rapper for eight to ten years but this just went right underneath the radar this just went right underneath the radar. You don't know nothing about no white boy buying up all the guns and buying bulletproof vests and, you know, a whole bunch of ammo. You don't know anything about that. But a rapper that wears dresses, you know everything about that. And that kind of scares me. But it really doesn't scare me or shock me because I've we've been told, y'all, that white supremacy is have infiltrated things like the FBI, like the CIA, and every single police department here in the United States. We've been told y'all that. So it's not really a surprise that they had time to look at a rapper that mumbles in a dress. No disrespect to you, Jeffrey, but some of them shits you be doing is mad weird, Joe. But yeah. <laughs> you know, you have time to look at that guy, but you don't have time to look at this guy. And actually, a little update on that. Okay, I, I actually came across a story that actually said that somebody else might have been involved or might have known what was going to happen even before he shot up the place. But um, let me go to my Twitter real quick. 
Yeah, here it is, and this is the Buffalo Buffalo News. I'm gonna only read a little bit, just a little bit of the part that I wanted to see. I seen this on Tariq Ty- Nasheed um video, and it kind of put a stop to what I was thinking altogether. So, law enforcement officers are investigating whether a retired federal agent. Had about had about thirty minutes advance notice of a white supremacist plans to murder black people at a Buffalo supermarket. Two law enforcement officials told the Buffalo News Authority believe the former agent, believed to be from Texas, with one of at least six individuals who regularly communicate with accused gunman Payton Geardon in an online chat room where racist hatred was discussed, the two officials said. So, yeah, there we go, right there. So that was my question, is that they had time to look at, you know, a a rapper in a dress rapping, but let this go underneath the radar. And really low-key, they didn't let it go underneath the radar. They just simply ignored it because I – I'm just not going to sit up here and let them let me believe that they didn't know that any of this was going on, but they knew everything that young thug was doing was going on. You know, I I just find that very funny. And he got brought up on Rico charges. Okay. Should this man be coming up on Rico charges? Should all those people that was off in that chat, um, when he was discussing things, about, you know, how he wanted to shoot up somebody. Should they all be a part of a RICO charge if they was like, yeah, you should. I wish I could shoot them niggas up too. Uh, Like, should they be part of a RICO charge? Because now the plan was actually, not only was it planned out, but he executed the plan as well. So should those people that was in that chat or this former FBI Texas agent this Texan, um, Texas federal agent, should he be a part of RICO charges? You know, I'm just wondering. You know, and I, I wonder if we would have read the whole manifest to see if it's some things in there that they overlooked that clearly show that he wasn't a lone wolf like they try to do all these people and that he was working within an organization. Actually, like I said, I was just casually reading. That's something that had just popped up when before I even decided to film this episode. That, but I came across something else as well. Let me pull this up real quick. Okay, so he often I'm just gonna read a little piece. He often lets the manifesto of previous white supremacist terrorists speak for him, said Brooking. The documents authority repeat, repeatedly indicates that he has edited the chat log before releasing it to the public. That in the timeline of entries that show blocks of missing dates have raised just as much interest around what is missing from the records as what is contained in it. It's kind of like... Why did he delete the whole section, said Kesha White, a program research associate at American University's Polarization and Extremism Research in Innovative Lab. Somebody might have been privy to information about his planning to attack, but he deleted it because it incriminates someone. So with those pieces of evidence that somebody here in Texas might have been a federal, um, somebody here, a federal agent from Texas might have known about the shooting previous before he even did it. Plus, he edited the chat log. Um, Yeah, he edited the chat log and he invited a couple of people in the chat log before he did it. Could it be these, could it be that federal agent that possibly knew about the shooting beforehand? Was he one of those people off in the chat log that Peyton edited the chat log to, to keep their information private so that this wouldn't incriminate them? Is that the reason why he edited it? Is this, like, like I said, 
can we bring these people up on RICO charges since they eventually, they, they, they essentially kind of knew that it was going to happen. They had connection with him. Like, I, come on, man. I, I don't know. I don't know what to say because it just seems kind of funny that when some, when a black person does it, they looking out through their social media and shit, um, putting the pieces together, trying to link people in. Y'all remember um, that one that one dude, um, what's his name? Frank James, Frank James or whatever, that um, subway shooter. They quickly went to his social media trying to connect him to the Nation of Islam and and to Hassan Camel because he was talking about them in a YouTube video with really low views. They was trying to piece that story together really good. But now when it comes to this information that it was not only a federal agent from Texas, a federal agent, that could have possibly known about the shooting before it was. But Peyton edited his chat log, and before he even released the footage of him shooting those people to the public, he um, invited um, some, he invited, I think it said 30 people, he invited 30 people to the, the viewing of it. So who are those 30 people, and is the federal agent one of the 30 people that he invited to the um, viewing of the shooting before he re released it to the public. Um, a lot of, of, of gun stuff has been happening within the last two weeks, you know, stretch. And as far as I'm concerned with the Uval shooting here in Texas, that sounds fishy to me. And I'm going to look through that, look into it more because the story is fairly new and it needs to be combed through with a fine tooth comb because the fact that there is four stories out already with different ways of telling the story. You know, he shot his grandma in the face and nobody called the police. He then was shooting a gun on the way to the school and nobody called the police. Then he wrecked the truck and some people came and he shot at them and then the police still didn't come. It seems like it was too many events that happened before he got to the school and started shooting that wasn't that they didn't stop it and that the police wasn't called, you know, RIP to all the families and the tops and the shooting and, um, the, the top shooting in Buffalo and the school shooting, then Uvalde. But I, you know, um, other than that, you know, I don't really have a, a lot to say with that because it just all kind of sounds very fishy. A lot of things I've seen that hasn't matched up. A lot of people have dissected that story in clubhouse and been, went through the play-by-play -play of what should have happened, what happened, because you got to understand in clubhouses, all different type of people in clubhouse. You got doctors in there. You got nurses in there. You got um, um, retired um, police officers. So they're giving you the rundown of the procedures that's supposed to happen in a certain situation anytime any of these quote-unquote psyops happen or events, um, crisis events happen. But enough of the dark shit. Um, I do want to talk about, uh, a, a, um, a solution that's been going around on the internet about pretty much the school shooting, you know, about community volunteering to stay in post at schools. And I agree wholeheartedly because the, I, I truly, 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 truly do believe. And I feel like this is the only thing that me and Joe having Joe Patrick have in common is that the only person that could stop a person with a gun is a person with a gun. Y'all, y'all know how I feel about the community doing for self and separating uh, um, ourselves from the government altogether. And this is the perfect way to do it. You know, gang members, this is y'all time to shine. Y'all ass is already in the street all day. Drive by the school at least once a day and see if the kiddos are okay. See if everything copacetic up there. You already got the gun. You already, you know, out on the street all day. Just do a little run through and see if the kid's okay. See if it's any 
weird, you know, suspicious people up there. You're already out making the drug deal. Might as well slide around the corner to go see if the school okay. I mean, parents, if you work inside of the community that your kid, that your kid also go to school in, slide by there and eat lunch across the street in the parking lot. Do a little run through around the school and then park your car somewhere at the back and just eat lunch there. You know, hey, make it a little date or whatever. Bring your homegirls up there. Like, you know how coworkers go to lunch together? Hey, say, hey, I'm going to go eat um, lunch across the street from the school. My kid up here and it's my um time to do the community volunteer post of making sure I don't no creeps coming here with no guns. Y'all want to roll? Oh, no, girl, I'm okay. Okay, tear your ass and you go up there. You know, I feel like this is just a great way for the community to come together and protect what is ours because, as you can see, the the, the police officers that was up there didn't do anything. If those the type of people that we want to wait until the gunman gets inside of the school... Do if those are the type of police officers, and yeah, you can try to play semantic and be like, well, that was um, border patrol. Well, border patrol act like the law when some immigrants come off in the United States illegally, they they lock their ass up. Then are they enforce the law? Then why can't they enforce the law now? What happened? What happened? You don't get a chance to pick and choose when you want to be an extension of the law. You should have went in there. You should have did your job. Actually, I heard that the news asked them why they didn't go in there, and their response was, well, we didn't want to get shot. So this is where our tax dollars is going, Texas. This is where our tax dollars go to. Uvalde, that, that's the that's y'all police department and or y'all border control or whatever that isn't down to protect. Your kids, only theirs. Because I heard that they got their kids up out of there. But they didn't get yours up out of there. They got their kids up out of there. And I just find it very cowardice. And it just further implies why we need to defund the police. We don't need to give them more money. We need to allocate the money throughout other things that lead up to a crime. Because... If you scared of getting shot, then why is your ass a police officer? You're bound to get shot at least once while being a police officer. And you pick the most important time to put on your civilian hat. The most important time that people in the school and everybody needed you, you just opted out. So we see the type of, you know, people that are there protecting your kids do you want those people to protect your kids or do you want you and the people in the community that actually care about the people that are off inside of that building to be protecting the building and the people inside of that building because at that point I feel like a couple of good men could have came in there and done a better job than the police it always just kind of let it have been somebody black in there I ain't going to go down that road. I ain't going to go down that road because we'll be there all day, y'all, so I'm not even going to do it. But, yeah, I think that that's a great idea to, you know, for the community to protect the community because we all know what this is really about. The, these shootings are really about us giving up our, our gun rights, our, our rights to bear arms and put our trust into the government to keep us safe. And, and, and we just not giving up. We just not giving up. I find it very funny that all of these things keep reverting back to Texas. You know, um, the top shooter, he knew somebody in Texas. The Texas school shooting in Richardson just a week ago, uh, somebody, a boy had a gun at the school. It's just so much stuff happening in Texas. And I think that they know that Texas is the strong arm. The moment that they get Texas to lay down their guns, the rest of the world follows because Texas is a very gun hose state. We love guns. We're not going to give up our guns. And yeah, I think that we all understand that the government is trying to fuck us here in Texas. And it's because we're literally an independent state all on our own. We really don't need the government. We work within the government, but we're not a part of 
the government. It's something weird about Texas with that that independent republic. I think you know we, you might want to do a little bit of research on that. This time isn't for that. This is about solutions. So yeah, I think that 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 um, community volunteering, standing posts at the school. I think that's a great idea, and I love that. Um, and because, like I said, we all know what this is really about. It's about us giving up our rights and putting all of our trust into this government. And some people, especially here in Texas, is just not willing to do that. I mean, like I said, did you see the cops that was on the scene of the Valley shooting? They was acting like civilians. It, it, it doesn't matter what um, extension of the branch of the law you fall under. That was literally your job right there to go in there and to protect and to serve. And it seems like the only people that you were protecting and serving that day was yourself. You protected yourself by not going in. You served yourself by going to go get your kids and no one else's. So, you know, because well, let's be honest, the whole purpose of the Second Amendment is so that everyone has a right to defend themselves against anyone trying to harm you, including your government. People are, 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 are fighting, those, those people that's fighting to create more gun laws, they don't, they don't understand that when you create more gun laws, you're creating more laws for the law-abiding citizen. You're not creating gun laws for the criminals and the politicians and the government. You know, you're just really low-key making it harder for us to keep and, and and for us to get a gun and for us to keep our guns because the criminals which is both the government and the gangs that some of y'all are so fucking scared of the rules don't apply to them and they're both out to violate your rights border patrol or the police you still have guns and power to lock someone up and that's what they're gonna be doing especially to the black community. They're, they're going to be doing that. The moment that civilians don't have guns is the moment that we go under, under full throttle totalitarian government. One rules all and that's it. So like I said, I think that that's a great idea that the community is getting together to do that. And they're standing up and just doing what we've always supposed to been doing is protecting our own and only relying on government for little to nothing. We're not supposed to be relying on government for every, every meal, every protection, every water, clothing. No, that we only supposed to be relying on government for little to nothing. We supposed to be helping ourselves. So I would like to end the episode on this. It takes a village to raise a child and a militia to keep them safe. So go out there, organize your community, and stay in post for your school, and fuck the government and fuck the police. I think everybody should open their eyes and start to see what do we really pay the police for, and are we paying them too much? I'm not saying that we don't need the police at all, because right now, as a society, we are not at that place to not have police enforcement in certain neighborhoods and actually any neighborhoods. We just not to that conscious moment that we care about people enough to not be doing fucked up shit to each other. So we need law, but look at what we paying for, you know, look what we paying for. We're paying for the people that's supposed to be protecting us to sit outside and watch the show right along with you. So like I said, um, my link will be at the bottom. Um, go to my beacon, figure out which one y'all want to go to, the YouTube, the Spotify, the Anchor, the Google Play, the Apple Podcast, whichever one y'all want to go to listen and look at my beautiful self. Anyways, bye. See you later.